What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's this grief that comes month after month after month, right? Every time you get a negative test, every time your period shows up, and you're carrying this grief, and work back to you just act like nothing's happening. This is heavy. You guys, welcome back to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. I appreciate you guys so very much. And if this is your first time here with us at Infertility and Me Podcast, welcome, 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 friend, to the shit show that is infertility. So glad that you're here despite the circumstances. So we're going to get right freaking into it, you guys. We're not going to waste any time. Today is a Q&A session with Karen Balumbu. Bennett. She is a licensed psychotherapist from California and she specializes in mental health for women, mental health for moms after giving birth, as well as infertility and loss. Karen also is a licensed clinical social worker practicing in the greater Los Angeles area. She is a full-time school-based therapist with a growing private practice as well. Karen has over 13 years of experience and she provides psychotherapy to various people in diverse settings. So she has extensive knowledge about very, very vast areas of a mental health and well-being and not just for infertility and loss. And so her private practice is niche down and focusing on infertility and loss because she herself experienced infertility and fertility struggles. And so Karen shares with us today, you guys, impactful, very straightforward ways in which we can move forward, navigate, thrive, grow and heal while family building and working through our grief. So some of the things that we talk about today is being a black woman or woman of color and or woman of color dealing with infertility and not having safe spaces. We also talk about how to heal from the jealousy and envy of fertile people, whether it is strangers and or people directly in our personal lives. And then we also speak about how to handle fertility monitoring and scans and how we can move forward and be prepared for those scans and having scan anxiety. Sort of like when you're taking a test in school, whether it was college or elementary school or high school or something like that. and we know there's a test coming. And so all these anxieties come up, all this overwhelm shows up. And then we also speak about how to make peace with and move forward and honoring ourselves when we may not have genetic ties to our future child and or children when egg donorship is needed, a surrogate may be needed, sperm donorship may be needed. So how can we how can we do that? What are some what things that we can do to move forward right now. This episode, you do not want to miss with Karen. She gives us some great, great ways and wisdom and different ways and perspectives we can look at our situation 
we'll be back you guys in just a second with Karen. Alrighty, you guys, so we are back with our friend Karen, the psychotherapist badass that I was telling you guys about in the intro. Thank you, Karen, again, girl, for getting on with me uh, so quickly. And we're on opposite side of the country, so we're a couple of hours uh, difference. So I appreciate you for making the time for us today and answering our community questions. And then we can also get to know you a little bit more and about what you do and what inspired you to go into psychotherapy. So I asked you that first, like, when did that light bulb go off for you in college? You're like, you know, I want to do psychotherapy. Let, let's start there. No, absolutely. I actually feel like I wanted to do therapy since I was like 14. Um, since I really am one of those people that knew very early on, I just didn't know what that meant, right? Because that's a really big word and it covers a lot. Um, but once I started getting into mental health in college and then I was like, okay, this is what I want to focus in in grad school. I was hooked. I was hooked. Mm. And um, my journey was very different. I didn't know I wanted to work with like women and moms and, and women who are struggling with fertility challenges. That came about just in the last few years. My experience started work first working with individuals with severe and persistent mental illness. And then I transitioned into working in the school system, working with teenagers um, and preteens. And then in my private practice now, my specialty is working with individuals struggling with fertility challenges and or moms and the, the stress that comes with motherhood. Thank you for sharing that with us. So how did you get diagnosed with infertility? Had you and your husband been trying for a while? Was it the, the, the most common way of us finding out it was six months to a year and then boom, infertility? Pretty much. Okay. So for us, we, you know how they say actively trying, right? So we weren't actively trying, but after not being on birth control and not getting pregnant, I was like, okay, maybe we should go get checked. But then of course they say, well, have you been actively trying? And the answer is like, I guess no. If you mean, am I waiting till I'm ovulating and that's when we're supposed to have intercourse? Like, no, that hasn't been happening. But luckily I went to two doctors. The first one was like, oh, maybe you should wait a year. Cause at the time I was 30, I didn't want to wait. I was just like, oh, we just kind of knew. We're just like, I don't know. We should, we should get checked. And so I went and saw someone else and they're like, you know what? You know, you guys haven't been like using protection. So let's get you started. Let's start, let's start the testing. And so that was what, man, 2014. I think that's when I started with fertility testing. Wow. And so what was the ultimate diagnosis? Was it unexplained or was it genetic predispositions, sort of like endometriosis or PCOS, those kinds of diseases? And that's such a good question, girl, because I really feel like we went through all of the diagnosis. So first it was unexplained. They, they, they felt like they couldn't figure it out. And then they said, maybe it's um, actually a female problem. Maybe you're not ovulating every single month. Like maybe that's what's happening. So let's put you on some hormones. And then they said, well, you know what? Maybe it's your partner. Maybe it's your husband. It seems like his um, numbers aren't what we would like him to be ultimately. That was our first clinic. And I just felt like I wasn't getting straight answers. And we did IUI there. And that was disappointing. And so I decided to go to a different, actually acupuncturist and then a different clinic. And my acupuncturist, after looking at all of our information, she was like, gosh, like, I understand that they think it's, it, it could be female. And I, I get why that could be it. But she was like, I think maybe it's really more male factor. So maybe you guys should just look into IVF with acupuncture or just acupuncture. She's like, I think I can help your husband. But by this time, two years had, maybe three years had passed. I just didn't want to wait. Four years had passed and I didn't want to wait any longer. And so I was like, you know what? No, we're going to IVF and we're just going to give it a try. 
And so now you guys have a little baby girl, right? Or she's a toddler. How old is she? Yeah. So we have a three-year-old now. So we did IUI. It didn't work. We did that, I think, three or four cycles. And that was hard. That was the lowest part of my journey. I had some girlfriends, two girlfriends in particular, who are also going through fertility challenges. One of them got pregnant out of nowhere when they gave her like an almost 0% chance of getting pregnant on her own or her and her partner getting pregnant on their own. And another friend was doing IVF at the time and got pregnant. And I just knew, I said, oh, this is it, Lord. We getting pregnant at the same time. This is about to be our story, our testimony. And then I'm doing IUI and it's not working and it's not working and it's not working. That was very hard. Took like a year off from trying because I just needed a mental break. And then we did IVF. And, you know, luckily that did work on the first try. So then we got pregnant and now we have our our three-year-old. The crazy thing about all of that, and not even crazy because it happens, is since having my, my daughter, I've had two miscarriages. Gotten pregnant, right? Never gotten pregnant before. So the first time I was very surprised and then, and I wasn't really ready. She was so, she was just a year and I'm just like, what happened? The pandemic just happened. So the shutdown just happened. Literally I miscarried and I, I was just in a daze. I couldn't even believe it happened to be honest. And then we get pregnant again, like nine, eight months later. And that one was hard because I was like, oh, this is it. I'm about to have my baby. It's going to happen naturally. I don't have to get all the shots and do all the hormone treatments. And, and then we miscarried. So I think I'm in this phase of like, I'm okay with no longer having a baby, but that's how I feel today. And that's how I felt for the last few months, as far as no longer interested in having another child, but I still consider myself in that secondary infertility category, right? Because I'm not always a hundred percent sure if I'm completely done. Yeah. I understand it. I understand it completely. Wow. Wow. After all of that, then you go on to have miscarriages. Wow. I can imagine how tumultuous that mm-hmm. was. Just trying to work through it and using some of the same practices that you teach your clients and patients, right? That's that's a different side to be on. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Thank you for sharing yeah. and for opening up to us and letting us know what your situation was like for you. And I just thank you for sharing that. You know, a lot of therapists don't like to share those sort of details. So we appreciate you. And I know our friends listening will too. So we're going to go right into the yeah. Q&A session. And one of the first questions, which was a couple of people asked the same question. So basically, you know how it is going in for your fertility scans, your ultrasounds, your blood work, all of that, right? All those good things that we need. We hate it, but we love it so much, right? At the same time. And how (laughs) we can work through our anxiety leading up to that time. Are there things that we can do to prepare mentally or physically even? to lessen that anxiety and to be more sure, even though our situation is so unsure? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And scan anxiety is a real thing. And it basically is that anxiety, the stress, the worry, the nervousness that comes leading up to a test um, while you're getting maybe a medical test done and that waiting period of trying to figure out, okay, well, what are my results going to be, right? And so... I always encourage um, my clients to try to be as prepared as possible, meaning not so much of the outcome, but meaning be prepared for what you need during that time. So have your your support system. Um, Distraction is your friend. So in the long run, distraction is a maladaptive coping skill. But in the interim of a crisis, our body needs a little bit of distraction, right? We just need to be able to check out, have some fun. And so the planning process, when I, when I say that is like, okay, who are you going to go to dinner with? 
who you're gonna go to movies with, who you're gonna karaoke with, you know, like just kind of have some things in place. And then also really plan as far as understanding what the procedure is, what type of what are you actually getting tested for? Because sometimes when you're going through the situation and you're trying to um, figure out what's going on, there's a lot of tests, especially for the, the woman, right? There's so many different tests. And sometimes you can get tests mixed up thinking you're getting one result and that's not really what you're getting tested for. So really ask your questions, ask your doctor's questions. Um, I know they're, they're in and out, but they, you deserve to know what is going on, the step-by-step. Step. Who will they contact? Will they contact your primary care doctor? Will they contact you directly? If it's, you know, news that they want to sit down with you, are they going to come in? Are they going to send you an email? Just all of that can help just reduce some of the anxiety and the stress during that time of trying to get a diagnosis. Yeah, I love that. And that kind of segues perfectly into the next question that a couple of friends had, which was also about the just wrapping their minds around if they need egg donors, if they need sperm donors, if they need a surrogate, and how overwhelming that also can be along with all the all of the other anxieties that we experience but just the aspect of possibly not having a genetic tie to the child or children that we may have if there is even a way to really uh, prepare emotionally for that and i love that you said you know being well informed about what's happening with our next steps and so is there anything else more in depth for preparing when it comes to terms of not having genetic ties with a future child possibly? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And from what I've seen with that preparation, it's still a process, right? So even when you decide to move forward and get a donor egg or use donor sperm, and maybe you're content with that choice, that doesn't mean that now when you maybe get pregnant or when you have a child that there weren't, there won't be like sadness that still maybe comes in, right? Because two things can still exist at the same time. You can be very grateful and excited that you were able to go on this journey of maybe carrying your own child. Maybe that's one thing you really, really wanted, right? But there could be times where now you have this child and they're one years old and someone comes up like, oh my gosh, they look just like you. And then that triggers something for you. So I would always say that when I work with, um, with individuals, I think it's, we have to show ourselves grace and we have to understand that we may never be fully okay with the idea that we didn't get to have our mm, plan, mm, mm, mm. Word. right? We may not fully, yeah, but that doesn't mean that we still can't find joy and we still can't find comfort and happiness with the different story that we wrote, with the different outcome that um, is attached to our life now, right? So I think that in the initial, and you're deciding to do this, I think it's important to really process it, to sit with it, to really say, what does this mean for me? How will it make me feel when A and B and C happens? You know, like, is this something that I'm really ready to take on? and sit with those emotions, process them, journal about them. I'm big on journaling and really, really give yourself the space to, to kind of, to feel that, but then to allow yourself to understand that even in your joy, you can still wonder, you can still think about the fact that you didn't get to have it the way you initially wanted 
to have this child. Mm, I love that, that grace, especially in honoring where we are. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And something that came up when you were speaking is, I think we also have a hard time with not painting the picture or the movie of what it's going to be, right? We struggle a yeah. lot with that, especially women. You know, we, we've been told uh, fairy tales our entire lives about family building, as opposed to men, um, uh, you know, hetero cis men being told to be a protector, a soldier, a fighter, a warrior, a warrior you know? And so, ooh, yeah, I think we, I think it's hard to let go of yeah. that picture and also not creating a new one based on our new circumstances, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's really held people hostage, even in even in just the idea of going the donor route, even an idea of freezing eggs. I mean, I've talked to women in their 30s who financially could do it. So it wasn't a financial barrier. They could do the freezing of the eggs, but they were just the idea that they had in their mind, the idea that was told to them when they were, you know, children and the idea that they told themselves all their twenties and now into your thirties was, oh no, I'm going to get married. Me and this partner are going to conceive through intercourse and I'm going to carry this child to turn. Mm-hmm. And, and they have such a hard time. And I'm being the, the therapist in me is screaming in the inside, like, come on, sis, like freeze your egg, you know, but then the, the outside therapist is like, okay, well, let's process this and let's work through this because yeah, those ideas and those narratives, they mean so much to us. And, and, it, and I get it. And it, it meant so much to me too. Right. And it, it is, it takes a lot for us to step back and say, am I willing to change this? Am I really, am I willing to give myself a different journey and, and, and be okay with a different path? Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Karen, for that. Um, and I think that'll be really helpful for our friends. And then Another issue we often deal with before and after, if we move on and put and build the family that we've been working so hard towards is how we can handle our jealousy of fertile people and not feeling resentment towards family, friends, and strangers. Like how, 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 how our mind works really fascinates me in that we can have this feeling, this trigger when we see pregnant women online, not knowing her story, not knowing yeah. if she ever went through anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is such a tough one because it seems like when you want something so bad, everyone mm-hmm. else is getting it and it's in your face, right? Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't yeah. shake it. You're on social media, you're at Target, you're at the, wherever you are, you see it. And I always want to remind people that our feelings are valid. It's your feelings. We're, we're human beings. We're going to feel what we feel. And jealousy is an emotion that we can feel. And envy is an emotion that we can feel. And I think that when we feel it, we don't want to just push it to the side. We don't want to ignore it. We want to allow ourselves space to feel. Because that's part of my work, even what I do, is that this, this um, goal that we have to get pregnant and to have a, a, a baby it's really, it's consumed by all of the physical things that we have to do. And so we don't always allow that space for that emotional well-being to sit in our feelings. So when it comes to that envy, sit in your feelings, acknowledge it, 
And then ask yourself, how is this serving me? Me being jealous about the, you know, being jealous, being angry. How is it serving me? Right. And maybe with the serving part, there could be pros and cons. Maybe because it's like, hey, I got my guard up and I'm not going to any baby showers right now. I'm protecting myself. Like I'm I'm feeling this way. And so this is what it's telling me. Right. Because we have to acknowledge that sometimes with that envy and that jealousy is telling us is too much. It's too much. Like get off the of social media. You know, maybe don't follow certain people right now. It's too much. And then also when we're sitting in it and we're saying, how is it serving me? We will start to probably realize that at the end of the day, it's making us angry. It's making us sad. And we'll see that there's probably more cons to how these thoughts are serving us. So then that's when we have to really maybe try to practice some gratitude and turn inward and really think of, okay, well, what, what are some positive thoughts? What are some things that I could think about? How can I restructure some of these negative thoughts that are consuming me right now? How can I think about like, hey, well, I don't know what this woman went through. You know, like, I don't know what her journey was. Maybe it wasn't that easy. Maybe I should be celebrating the fact that she's having another child or having a child, you know, but some of that thought changing can really help us when it comes to feeling anger or envy or jealousy. Yeah, I love that because I'm a very solution driven person. And so if we're talking about an issue, I want to know, well, how do you think we could solve this issue? And I do that with my husband. You know, we're very solution oriented people, not just focusing so much on the issue at hand, but how we can move forward and being solution driven, which is why I think this episode is so important because you are giving us some great ways in which we can do things right away, right now, that could be impactful and help us redirect our attention in a positive way without dishonoring where we are either at the same time, you know? Yes. I think that's the most important thing is that we can't dishonor that. Like we feel this, this is real, this type of grief that that people ignore that people don't recognize you're you're dealing it it's like invisible right no one's recognizing the fact that you're grieving like this and it's not it's this grief that comes month after month after month right every time you get a negative test every time your period shows up right and you're carrying this mm-hmm. grief and we're expected to just act like nothing's happening this is heavy and i think as a as black women and our women of color listening as well that we do a lot of that and we probably do it excessively. Mm-hmm. And because we don't live, no matter how much money we make, how many degrees we get and how many accolades are on our long list, we still feel like we have to bear the brunt of societal issues and yeah. impacts and, fun, um, and, and and racism and all these things that affect us on a daily minute by minute basis. Right. And so I feel yeah. like with women, we do that, but I see it more prevalent in women of color, in black women, um, whatever their color is. We 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 have we we live a life of invisibility emotionally. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I agree with you, and that's that's systemic racism. That is some historical. We can't show pain. We can't show fear. We have to be strong. We have to take care, and that strong woman syndrome, right? You're absolutely right. And it's really hurting us. And that's why platforms like this are so important because one, it's giving just women a a chance to share, um, but also it's giving black and brown women a chance to really see someone else and hear from someone else that identifies. And that's something that's so private that people don't want to talk about that, um, 
in our communities, we're still having a hard time talking about you're creating that space. And I think that that's amazing for for, for women, especially Black women. Mm, I thank you. And thank you for doing the work you're doing and, and taking on the assignment. I know school wasn't easy to get there and all those loans that you have to pay back and all everything else that comes yeah. along with it and the many hours of service <laughs> it takes to get right. that license. So I just appreciate you being on here. And that just touched me because it's just, whoo, like when can we just, you know, uh, waiting to exhale like that why, that's why that movie was so impactful because yeah. when do we get to exhale mm-hmm. right especially now with roe mm-hmm. v wade being overturned and having mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. only to worry about ourselves as women because what if we do get spontaneously pregnant i've seen that in the community in the last couple of years people just getting spontaneously pregnant after infertility and ivf and so when do we get to exhale when do we get to feel safe and i and i don't say that in a yeah. way to disregard or discredit our white Caucasian counterparts and friends and family members, but there's a safe place for them. And it begins with their men, Mm -hmm. because no matter what is happening in the world, they are safeguarded by their men because their men is who run this country. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to move on because this could turn into a whole Mm -hmm. different topic. (laughs) My goodness. goodness. So when we, when we, if, 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 and when we do, get to the next step in family building and we do adopt and we have the surrogate and she's about to give birth or we we ourselves are about to give birth. How do we move on? And what are ways I should ask? Because the, the question was very broad and how do we move forward okay. with our friend asks is how we move forward after the big fat positives and after we get the surrogate mm-hmm. and all those things, right? And adoption. How do we move forward with our triggers then? Because I, I know just from learning about mental health therapy that it's very it's, it's not linear. It takes a lot of proactive yeah. consistency on our own parts in, as individuals, right? And so how can we move forward and lessen those triggers or how can we do so and be more gentle with ourselves? Yeah, no, I love that question. And you're absolutely right. We have to acknowledge that the journey that we took to parenthood was not the journey that we expected. And with that comes possibly some trauma, some grief, right? We're talking about maybe some people who struggled with ever getting pregnant to maybe having to get a surrogate and what does that mean for them? Or people who've had miscarriages, um, stillbirth. You know, there's so much trauma that comes with that. And then you make it to the, the quote unquote other side and society is like, well, you should be happy. This is what you prayed for. This is what you wanted. And now you have all these conflicting emotions. You're, you know, even while you're pregnant, let's say, let's say you're pregnant, you're caring, you're anxious, you're fearful, you have all this doubt. And sometimes you're scared to even tell people that you feel this way because everyone's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. You should be so excited. You should be so excited. We wanted this for so long. And you're like, oh my gosh, but I'm scared. I'm scared as hell. I'm nervous. I'm worried. And then, then maybe you have the child. And that normal struggles that all moms struggle with when they first have a child, you're a little afraid and ashamed to share it. And I see so many women go through this because it's like, I wanted this so bad. I prayed for this. I, you know, I wanted this. And now I'm here and I don't want to talk about the fact that I'm a little, I'm struggling with some postpartum depression, some postpartum anxiety, some postpartum OCD. I'm so worried about this baby that I worked so hard to getting. And so the first step is really acknowledging that this is not 
something that you should be ashamed of. Having conflicting emotions, not being completely happy after you have this baby or after you get pregnant, that is not something to be ashamed of and to keep to yourself. So I always say that's the first step. We have to acknowledge that this is what's happening. And in my practice, when I'm working with individuals who are going through this, let's talk about it. Those, those scary thoughts that you don't want to share with anyone, that you think people are going to judge you, let's talk about it. And then once we can talk about it and put it out there, now let's work through it. Let's work through it. Let's really try to understand what are these thoughts stemming from? How are they serving? I always say, how, are, how is it serving you? Right? Because sometimes it's a protection. It's allowing us to not get too close because what if I get too close in this pregnancy? What if I, I'm too excited and it doesn't work out? Right? So what is that? Ha- what's happening? And also, I think that sometimes when people are going through this who struggle with getting pregnant and they do get pregnant or they're going through surrogacy, surrogacy guilt. Guilt that I've left my sisters behind. I am moving forward and I feel guilty and I don't even know how to really celebrate this. How do I celebrate and still hold space? So that's one thing that we have to figure out too, is like, how do I be happy for myself? And I'm still standing there and in this journey with my sisters who maybe I've been on this journey with and I'm still rooting for them. How do I because we know how it feels to be to look at that person that's pregnant, you know what I mean? But how do I enjoy myself and 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 enjoy this this next phase and still be there? Right? And so all of that we have to figure all of that out and it looks different for every person and so there's no I don't have a clean answer. So I always say we have to first acknowledge it. We have to accept that this is really happening that these mixed feelings are real. And then with each individual we have to try to figure out how do we help you get past it? What is and what does that look like? Yeah, that's really great. A lot of women in the community, especially on Instagram, have crossed over, as they say, and made it to the other side. And the amount of guilt that they talk about with parenting and being a new mom or dad, and then also still trying to be there and be a shoulder of support for those still on the path. That guilt is something else. That guilt is so very, very real. And it's all valid. (laughs) <laughs> that's the thing mm-hmm. it's all it's mm-hmm. all freaking valid wow yeah yeah that's a lot that is a lot to process and by no means I don't want anyone to think that they're doing something wrong and so if there's any last words that you have Karen for us yeah I really say that I think it's so important to really check in with yourself again I just want to just emphasize that because when you're on this journey you it can be so consuming to try to get to the next doctor's appointment. I mean, I was drinking teas. I bought herbs for the husband. You know, we over here going to acupuncture. I'm over here. We're doing it all these physical, mechanical things, medical things. And myself, as a licensed therapist, I did not make the space for my emotions and what that did for me, Right. So I always say, especially sometimes as black women or women of color, because we weren't always given that space to be able to feel our emotions, you may not really know, but listen to your body. Listen to your body. Are your shoulders tense? Is your stomach in knots? Are you feeling nauseous? Are you getting migraines? I was getting migraines. I was getting headaches. I was so stressed out and consumed with this. And, you know, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to be like, you know what? I just need a break from all of this. And I encourage it right? Because we deserve to rest physically and mentally. You deserve rest, especially when you're on this journey. And I really encourage um, 
individuals on this journey, practice self-care, practice community care, right? Tap in. We have to remember that we are dealing with grief. Grief is not always a physical loss. Grief is, I talk about this in my journal, it's a loss of a dream, an expectation, an experience. It's a loss of experience, what you thought your journey was going to be. So tap into your community, get support. You know, don't go on this journey alone. I know that it could feel very lonely, but there are other people that are struggling. And the more that you feel connected, the more that you are really tapping into the emotional um, roller coaster that you're experiencing, the more the healthier you're going to be. So that's one thing I just really want to leave people with. Um, I really just encourage everyone that's on this journey to tap in to their emotions and really take care of yourself and your mental well-being. Yes. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for that again. And I loved when you brought up rest. It's necessary. And I made a post mm-hmm. about that similar subject uh, like two weeks ago on my personal page. And, and, and the quote that I put up was, mm-hmm. rest is not a reward. It's essential. You need it, baby. Yeah. You yes. need it, girl. Come on, bro. Whoever you need it. It's essential to your full body well-being, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. You can't even think straight when you don't rest. Okay? You crash. Y'all forgot? You crash when you don't rest. So I love that you have stated that. And it's reminding me of the new trending thing to do, not thing to do, but lifestyle to live. And that's a soft life, a life of peace and well-being that we're seeing a lot online. And I love it. And I love it for us. I love mm-hmm. it for us getting mm-hmm. out of the hustle and bustle because us it. 70s and 80s babies and even the early 90s babies, they pushed hustle mentality on us so much mm. and the no sleep mm. so much. That was yeah. a big part of us yeah. growing up and coming into age is, you know, winners don't mm-hmm. sleep. Nah, mm-mm. we sleep around mm-hmm. here. Okay. We getting all of our eight hours <laughs> around here. <laughs> I love yes. it. Yes. Yes. OMG. Absolutely. I love it. We deserve, deserve it. it. We need we it. We deserve it so much. And your journal. Let's get into that. And why I know you said it, it's a big part of your own life. And so I'm assuming that must be the inspiration behind it. And I love that you make it available for your clients and patients and stuff. And so where can we find that? Um, is it on Amazon directly on your website? Yeah, so it is officially on Amazon and barnesandnobles.com. Um, it is on my website, which is um, shopcaringthetherapist.com or just Karen the Therapist. Um, I'm actually going to create a landing page to make it a little bit easier. So mybabyjourney.org um, will be up, hopefully by the time this airs, mybabyjourney.org. Um, and that will be another way for people to get the journal. So yeah, it's a memoir, meets guided journal. I share little snippets of my journey, um, put some therapeutic terms in there and some some guided questions, because that's just something that we really need. We need to externalize all of these emotions that are inside and we're holding on to and our bodies, holding on this trauma and this stress and this grief. And we need to find healthy ways to have an outlet. And so that's what I'm hoping this journal will be for people. Thank you for that. And you guys know that I keep all of our guests, especially our experts like Karen, their information is in the show details. So you can tap and go 
And just like Karen said, tap into your creative stuff, your hobbies, your passions, things outside of work, okay? In school, if you're in school, things outside of that, okay? We like to delve into work because, you know, that's our moneymaker. But outside of that, what do you do creatively? What do you like to get your, do you like to get your hands dirty and garden? Do more of it. Do more of it. And so I appreciate you, Karen, today. And I know our listener friends will as well for giving us your time and your insight and your wisdom and also your expertise. And I hope, I hope that we can do this again about a different subject that affects us during a family building. So just appreciate you. Just appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I would love to do this again. You're amazing. And thank you for creating this safe space. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me Podcast. You guys know where to find me on Instagram, Infertility and Me Podcast. You can email me your letters for fertility friend check-ins, as well as submit yourself publicly and or anonymously to share your story on the podcast in your own voice audibly. So reach out, you guys. Info at MoniqueFarouk.com. Peace and blessings. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.